be seen. It's an exciting day today with all the baptisms. So less than a month ago, we had 19 baptisms in here, and today we've got 12 or 13 and counting. So um, I was just informed a couple more uh, wanted to get baptized. So we'll do that as part of the service near the end. Listen, I woke up just like you yesterday morning to the news that uh, Israel had been attacked. And so it, it's, it's a horrible thing. And um, Hamas has, has gone in there. And wherever you fall on the political spectrum about all the things that take place in the Middle East, what I'd like to do right now is ask you to stand to your feet. And let's pray for Israel. The Bible tells us that those who bless Israel are blessed. That's a promise from God. It seems like every time uh, the United States steps back from a close kin relationship with is Israel, we, we enter into a time of problems. And, and I just on, on the flip side of that, it seems like every time we have a close alignment with Israel, then our nation seems to be a recipient of blessings, which is so true to God's word. That's what God's word says. So we want to lift up the nation of Israel right now in prayer. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, we first of all, thank you that we can pray for brothers and sisters, for the nation of Israel. Lord, your, your word tells us, pray the peace of Israel. And so, Lord, protect the inhabitants, uh, Gaza, uh, the families that live there. Lord God, I pray that whatever started this attack, whatever is stirring it up, Lord, that you would cause it to dissipate. We pray for protection over Israel. Lord, we pray and understand that all eyes are on the Middle East and what takes place many times uh, impacts the entire globe. And so we just pray, God, that you would turn this thing around somehow, miraculously, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Thank you for joining me in prayer. You may be seated. I want to say a few more things about, uh, about that. And um, all eyes are on the Middle East. And, and when things take place in Jerusalem, when things take place in Israel, it impacts the rest of the nation. We're at a very volatile time right now as a planet, there's a lot of uncertainty out there. And it wouldn't be unlikely right now with, with that uncertainty for China to move in and, and invade Taiwan. And a number of other things could escalate because of the volatility that we're experiencing right now. So keep your thumb on the pulse of what's taking place. Uh, be aware of that and just pray, 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 pray. Uh, there's a lot of things that you and I as civilians don't know, don't realize. Uh, you can watch mainstream media. Here's the, here's the thing. Uh, if you have access to social media like most of you do, we're, we're witnessing things that we, you know, years ago didn't have the opportunity to, to, to watch. And so there's a lot of horrific videos that are being played of, of the attacks, the kidnapping, and, and the slaughter that's taking place in Israel right now. Um, so pray for them. I really believe, I really believe with all my heart, we are in a time, biblical time, an epic time in history. I believe Jesus could come back at any moment. When you see interviews with the Jewish people, of course, just like our, our nation, 
you have different cultures and different expressions of what people believe, philosophies, and you see that as well in Israel. You have the different sects of Judaism, uh, even within uh, Israel, who uh, want a two-state. They, they believe God's kingdom is a spiritual kingdom, that the Messiah is going to come back. I watched a video the other day, yesterday, in fact, of uh, Hasidic Jews that believe that the Messiah is going to be coming back and introduced in the next two months. Uh, there's talk about the temple uh, being rebuilt and, of course, the sacrificial system being instituted. There's been a lot of talk and, and even things started up about that, that they feel like that's incited some of the attacks and whatnot. So there's just a lot of things that we're, a lot of information we're getting. It's difficult at times to decipher what's accurate and what's not accurate. But what you and I can do is continue to pray for Israel. Amen? And, and we want to do that. Um, I, I had the propensity of getting very political today about the whole thing and, and sharing my opinion, but I'm going to spare you that, at least for right now. Okay? Um, I want to get into the Word of God. That may come, though. Uh, and you might get a little inklings of it during this message. But I'm continuing a series called Mysteries of the Kingdom. We're in Matthew chapter 13. Could you turn there, please? Matthew chapter 13. And if you're new with us, I want to welcome you. I'm glad you're here. We're going through God's Word. I go through God's Word verse by verse, and we're in Matthew chapter 13. By the way, our church app has my notes that I actually preach from. And so if you want to follow and, and see exactly the scriptures that I'm using to support the text that I, we're studying, you'll see that on our church app, the Eagle Ridge church app. So Matthew 13, starting with verse 31. Here's another illustration. Some of your versions say parable. Jesus taught in parables, illustrations. And Jesus used, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed planted in the field. It's the smallest of all seeds, but it becomes the largest of garden plants. It grows into a tree and birds come and they make nests in its branches from a mustard plant or a mustard seed. Then he goes on to say, uh, it says, Jesus also used this illustration or parable. The kingdom of heaven is like the yeast a woman used in making bread. Even though she put only a little yeast in three measures of flour, it permeated every part of the dough. Jesus always used, I'm in verse 34, he always used so stories and illustrations, parables like these when speaking to the crowds. In fact, he never spoke to them without using such parables. Uh, this fulfilled what God had spoken through the prophet. And now, now what's quoted by Matthew in his gospel is uh, a prophetic word out of Psalm 78. I will speak to you in parables. I will explain things hidden since the creation of the world. And so after hearing the, just a number of parables that D Jesus was using to illustrate the kingdom of God, uh, the disciples had no, there was no doubt that the disciples were wondering, could the kingdom of God, could what Jesus was preaching, could it actually survive? There were so many people that rejected Christ. They rejected his me message. Even today, people reject the message of the gospel, the message of the Bible, the message of Christ. But in Jesus' day, they did the same. And the disciples thought correctly, like, how can this message survive? And so... Uh, Jesus' disciples, they were a handful against a whole nation, the nation of Israel. 
I found this illustration, it, it was fascinating, and I hope you can track with me. It's about a man, his name or his title was Lord Kelvin. And Lord Kelvin, he did important work in mathematical analysis of electrical formulation of the first and second laws of thermodynamics. Did you get that? <laughs> Say that 10 times as fast as you can. And uh, he, what he did, Lord Kelvin, what he did is he took this huge piece of metal um, and he suspended it in his laboratory. It was, just, it was heavy. I don't know what the tonnage of it was. But he took paper and he watered up what I would call spitballs, right? And he watered them up into little balls. And don't admit that you did this when you were a kid and, you know, threw them at your classmates. But he, what Lord Kelvin did is he took these watered up pieces of paper and he strategically began to throw one right after another hitting this impenetrable piece, this huge piece of steel, and you and I would think, well, that's not going to, you're wasting your time. But he kept doing it systematically, one after another, one after another, one after another, and eventually this huge chunk of steel began to sway, began to move. And that's a picture, that's just a small, really a small example of the picture of the church of Jesus Christ. How at times it seems like there's no way the gospel is going to get out to everybody. In fact, it seems like the longer we live, good becomes evil and evil becomes good. And the culture around us is vehemently against the things of God. How are we ever going to have an impact? Sometimes it just feels that way. I know you feel that way. And yet this example I just shared with you is, is a picture of the power of the church. The Bible says the gates of hell will not prevail the church of Jesus Christ. So no matter how far gone the culture around us is and how evil things are, the church of God is powerful. Yes. And the gates of hell will not prevail the church. And so we have a parable that Jesus shares about the mustard seed. And, and what that is... We've looked at a number of parables now, and my point number one this morning is it's a picture of Christianity. That mustard seed is a picture of Christianity. It, it, it seems ins insignificant, it seems small, and yet it has a huge impact. Now, there, I would say, use the term controversy, there are some theologians, not very many, but some think that what Jesus said here in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 13 about the mustard seed. He says it's the tiniest of all seeds and it grows to the largest of, of plants. They say, see, see, that's not accurate. That's false information. So therefore, the Bible can't be trusted. It has error in it. But let me speak to that because in Palestine, in the area that Jesus was teaching and preaching and doing ministry, the mustard seed indeed was one of the smallest of seeds in that area. And when you look at mustard plants, and some of you may not be aware, when you see a mustard plant, we have them all over. Anytime they break ground, if you see natural habitat and they begin to do development and they break ground, if they don't start building immediately, weeds start coming up. We, plants, not necessarily indigenous to the area, Plants begin to come up. When you break ground, that's what happens. When the ground's unattended and nothing happens, you see the natural uh, foliage, flora and fauna 
But if ground is broken, then you, you have weeds. Weeds appear. And around here in Menifee in Southern California, mustard seed is one of those uh, weeds, you would call it. I call them weeds because sheep don't eat them. Goats don't eat them. They grow. Uh, they, they provide pollen for, for insects, which is good. It's interesting to know that um, when the Spaniards came over to this continent, when they moored their ships and went inland, began to explore the Americas, they brought with them these satchels full of mustard seed. And the reason they did that is as they were hiking inland, they would scatter them. So they went in miles, months, and maybe years, but they could follow the trail back out because by the time they got back out or started traveling back out to the coastline where they arrived, they would see that trail of mustard seed. That, in fact, is why we have mustard plants all over in our country. They're not originally from here. But the mustard seed in Jesus' day, it, it grew to a plant of 12 to 15 feet tall. So it was remarkable. And so we see that what Jesus said was in fact true. Uh, the tiny mustard seed grows into a great plant. And that's a picture of the church. That's the picture of the influence that you and I have when we have Christ in our life. When you make a commitment to Jesus Christ, and I'm not talking about a religion. I'm not talking about church membership. I'm not talking about any of that. When you make a commitment and say, I need a Savior and His name is Jesus. And you acknowledge that He's uh, Lord and Savior. And you make that kind of commitment. Uh, your life changes. The Bible uh, talks about being born again. In fact, Jesus came up with that. Christians didn't come up with that phrase. Jesus said it in John chapter 3. Unless you're born again, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. So that's a pretty important statement. It, I can't go to heaven unless I'm born again. So I want to know what being born again is. And what that is, in essence means is you've given your heart over to Jesus Christ. He's become your Lord and Savior. And you've started a relationship, not a religion, a relationship with Jesus. What happens at that moment that you make that declaration and acknowledgement and you believe unto the Lord Jesus Christ, you're saved. And that salvation means that you have forgiveness of sins. That's awesome. And not only that, you, you have forgiveness of sins, but your name's written in God's book, the Lamb's book of life. You have eternal life. You have eternal life in heaven, by the way. I want to add that. That's important. But it doesn't stop there. It starts there. When you give your heart to Jesus, you have a relationship with the Lord, and He guides you. He guides you by the vehicle of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit resides within you and speaks and guides and directs you and illuminates truth. And so you have a whole new perception and way of living. I love what it says in Romans 10, 13. I have it on the screen. It says that for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone. Can you say everyone? Yeah. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord. Even the people you don't like. Even those who've messed with you. And, and you, you feel in your heart, they're despicable. They're far gone. If they call upon the name of the Lord and believe unto Jesus, they can be saved. And here's a kind of a crazy thought. You might be spending eternity with them in heaven. So it's something to think about. That's a message for another day. But I love Romans 10, 13. You know, when the disciples came together in the upper room, and I'm talking about something that happened over 2,000 years ago, Jesus told his disciples after he died, he died. Well, how could he tell his disciples anything? He died. Yeah, you're, he, he died. 
but he rose to life. After three days of being dead, he rose from the grave. And then for 40 days, the Bible says Jesus was on earth doing ministry. And John tells us that all the miracles that Jesus did during that 40-day period, there's not enough books in the library to cover all the material, that, all the things, the great things that Jesus did to chronicle all that he did. The last thing that Jesus told his disciples is he said, Listen, go, to, go to the upper room, pray. Wait for the Holy Spirit to come upon you. And then he gave them the great commission, tell everybody about me baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, which is what we're doing in a few minutes. So the disciples, about 120 at this point, they go to the upper room. Catherine and I were in the upper room in 2019, and I told you last week when we walked in there, I really like, okay, God, zap me. I, I, Lord, give me something, you know. I'm in the upper room. That's where the disciples, that's where Pentecost happened, and, and nothing happened. <laughs> at least not at that point. But there were 120 disciples in there, and the world was against them. And after they were filled with the Holy Spirit, they came down, Peter preached the message, 3,000 people were saved. That was the birth of the church. We are the church. We're the body of Christ. And later on in the book of Acts, it says, it says that they turned the world upside down. 120, really 12 disciples or apostles, they turned the world upside down, meaning they had that kind of influence on the world. It's remarkable. When you think about the number 120, the average church in America right now is about 78 to 80. That's the average size church. So 120 people turn the world upside down. And we're still preaching that message. We're still preaching the gospel. We're still introducing people to Christ, and that's good news. I love what John 15, 4 and 5 say. Jesus says, remain in me. Remain in me. And I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it's severed from the vine. I'm going to stop there and just say, when you give your heart to Christ and you believe in the Lord, a lot of people say, yeah, I'm a Christian. I believe in the Lord, but I don't go to church. I, I want to just say something here. And it might rub you the wrong way, but you know what? That's okay. I want to encourage you and really in, a, in the same breath challenge you that it's so important to plug into a church that teaches the Bible. Stay away from churches that don't teach the Bible. Stay away from churches that embrace every culture and every philosophy and, you know, tiptoe through the tulips, whatever. You want to stay, you want to, you want to plug into a church where the leadership teaches the Bible, the Word of God, the unadulterated Word of God where you can grow in faith. Amen? And so, it's not about religion. And I've shared this with you. I grew up in the church. I grew up in the Roman Catholic Church. I learned a lot. I have a lot of good things to say about that. But I heard the gospel when I was a teenager. I was invited to an evangelistic event. I heard the gospel. The pastor said I must be saved. And he explained what that meant. And I responded to that and prayed to receive Christ. And thank the Lord that I plugged into a Bible teaching, a Bible preaching, a Bible believing church. That's so important, but it's so essential. You know, a few, a few years ago, uh, we were told that the church is an essential. Strip clubs were essential. Smoke shops were essential. Liquor stores were essential. But the church wasn't essential. What happened? What happened when the church was declared non-essential? The suicide rate went up. People were locked down. They were 
closed off. They were isolated. It was not a good thing. By the way, that uh, will never happen again, we hope, right? We hope. But it it could happen again. And so what are you going to do? Are you going to go down the same path you did three years ago? Or, Or are you wiser now? I think we're wiser now. And so I say all that to say this. The church is essential. The church is essential. And and I'll share with you in a minute. Well, I'll just share with you right now. The kingdom of heaven will be a blessing. The church is essential because we're a blessing. Look what it says in verse 28 of Matthew 11. Jesus said, Come to me all who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. In my notes I wrote big time blessings. And this is one of them. Jesus if, says, if you have burdens, if you're struggling, if you have anxiety, if you have stress, if you, if you have that sense like, oh, I, I don't even know if I can get through another day. If you're having that kind of uh, feelings going through your heart and through your mind, know that Jesus said, come to me, come to me. When you're weary like that, you're just so tired, you're so beaten down, come to me, Jesus says, and I'll take your burden. But he, he says practically to come to him and then he puts a promise in there i'm going to give you rest i'm going to bless you i don't know how many of you could raise your hand and say i really feel rested listen jesus will give you rest here's another verse i want to share with you revelation 22 17 this is part of what i call the big time blessings of god there's so many more but i didn't have time for a lot of them The spirit of the bride says, come. Let anyone who hears this say, come. Let anyone who is thirsty, come. This is the Lord speaking to our spirit. Let anyone who desires to drink freely from the water of life. Water of life is eternal life. Water of life is that which comes from Christ. And anyone who desires that can come to the Lord and receive what God has for him. And that's a beautiful picture of just how much God loves us. Now, as we look at what's happening in um, Israel right now, uh, we have to keep our thumb on the pulse and watch that. We are in biblical times. Let me explain. The parable of the leaven is, is a great example of that. The, the woman has that leaven and she adds to the dough and Jesus says it permeates the dough and of course that's what makes it fluffy and rise. Other than without that leaven, it's unleavened bread. It's more like a cracker. It's more like the wafer we use during the Lord's Supper during communion. And so that leaven represents you and I. It represents the church. And, and in this particular parable, the leaven is the good stuff. It's also been used as a bad example too. But in this parable, Jesus uses it in a positive way to let you know the influence that you and I have as a church, as a body of believers. Everywhere you go, you are a blessing. When Christ is in your heart, I'm not saying you're perfect. None of us are. We're working on it. I know the, uh, not too long ago, somebody said, I, I don't want to go to church. I don't you know what, I just, I don't need to go to church. I said, why do you feel that way? Well, the church is full of hypocrites. Okay. Um, And? Well, you know, I've been hurt in church, and I don't need to go to church to believe in God. Well, let me tell you something. It's important that you plug into a Bible-teaching church 
So you do grow. So you are in fellowship. Hebrews 10, uh, 24 and 25 says, do not forsake the gathering of the saints as is the manner of some. It's important that you surround yourself with brothers and sisters in the Lord so you have that community and that fellowship. It's a powerful force that God's created. In fact, our nature innate within us is the desire to have community. God put that in you and I. And so you can have community in the world or you can have community in God's house, around God's people. It's not the building. It's not the building. It's you and I. We are the church. We're the body of Christ. And that's a good thing. It really is. And so that mother would take that leaven. And, and here's the interesting thing. You see this in Hebrew literature. When, when their daughter was getting married, she'd break off a piece of that leaven and give it to the daughter because she got it, received it from her mother and so on and so forth on up the line and down the line. And so that leaven added to the dough, it permeates the dough and it makes it pleasant, it makes it edible, it makes it beautiful, it smells so wonderful and delicious. And, and that's the church. The church is a blessing. You and I are, are a blessing to the world. Amen? That's good news. Well, I want to um, give you an opportunity this morning that kind of an, an opportunity that, that, that would open yourself up to the things of God wherever you're at this morning. Whatever you're going through this morning, I want you to know that, that God can take care of it. He can work in your life in the most difficult of situations, in the most horrible of situations. God can move in your life if you and I open our hearts up to Him. And He can lift those burdens. Many, many years ago, I heard that in order to receive forgiveness of sins, I needed to acknowledge who could forgive those sins. And that was Jesus. And Jesus took on all of our sin on the cross. All of it. And so it's a burden when you're carrying sin. It's a burden when you're carrying stuff like that. The Bible talks about a besetting sin. And that's that sin you can't seem to kick that you think nobody knows about, but God, God knows. And I'm not saying that to make anybody feel bad. What I'm saying is you can be lifted from that burden of sin. And, and if you're struggling this morning with just feeling like, what's my life all about? What now? It hasn't turned out, you know, Hollywood went on strike. The writers went on strike. You're aware of that. I think it's been lifted uh, because of AI and other things that were going on. And so... You might look at your life and say, yeah, I don't like the script. Because when you were a kid, I was asked yesterday, Pastor Steve, what did you want to be when you grew up, when you were a kid? And it got me thinking about this. There's a script that we play out in our mind of how we want our life to be. And sometimes that doesn't turn out quite like it, uh, that, that you wanted it to. And yet God has a, a beautiful script, a plan, a purpose for your life. And the only way to tap into that is to tap into the love that he has for you, to surrender to his will, let him lead your life. He knows what's best. He put all the stars in place, created everything. And so I want to give you an opportunity, and I mentioned that a few minutes ago. I want to give you an opportunity to give your heart to Jesus Christ. Watch your life change for the better. 
It's an amazing thing. All the issues, all the struggles, all the trouble, just give it to the Lord right now. I want to give you an opportunity, maybe for the first time you've ever had it, to give your heart to Christ. And here's what happens when you give your heart to Jesus Christ. God forgives you of your sin. He gives you eternal life. And He implants within you His Spirit. And right now you might be thinking, well, I don't really understand exactly what you're saying, Pastor Steve. I don't understand a lot of things about the Bible. I'm not sure I believe in creation. I'm not sure. But listen, once you receive Christ, the Spirit of God begins to minister to you in a supernatural way and illuminates and gives understanding on a lot of those things. As you're reading the Word, things that you've read maybe a hundred times before, it just illuminates it's like, oh, I get it now. That's the Spirit of God doing an attribute that the Holy Spirit has, doing what He does. It's an amazing thing. But I also want to give an opportunity to those that are here. Maybe you gave your heart to the Lord as a young person in a church or at a conference or a seminar or an event, but you're not, you don't feel connected with God right now, and I want to give you an opportunity to reconnect. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, we thank you for the opportunity to look at your word and study your word. And, and I want to lift up everybody here, everybody out in the courtyard, those who are watching online right now. Anybody who has any doubts when they hear this question, and this is the question. And as your heads are bowed, listen to this question. If you were to die today, do you know without a doubt, do you know without a doubt that you'd spend eternity in heaven? If you have any doubts at all, let's take care of that because that doubt can be erased and you can know that you're spending eternity with God in heaven by giving your heart to Jesus Christ. Again, if you've never done that, we're going to do that in a moment. And if you've disconnected somehow from God and you'd like to reconnect, we're going to do that right now as well. What I'd like you to do is pray with me a prayer, and I'd like you to pray it out loud. Would you pray this prayer? But let it be more than words. Pray with your heart. And I, I want to tell you something. God answers prayer. He listens to your prayer. So would you pray this prayer if you're giving your heart to Jesus or you're rededicating your life to the Lord? It goes like this, and you can repeat it after me. Dear Jesus, I'm a sinner and I ask you to forgive me of all of my sin. Thank you for your forgiveness. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you died on the cross. I believe that you rose from the grave. And I now ask you to be my Lord and Savior. If you're praying to receive or rededicate your life to the Lord, I want you to pray this. God, I come before you right now and I recommit to you, Jesus, right here and right now in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Well, listen, I want to be the first to congratulate you. If you prayed to receive Christ, welcome to the family of God. If you prayed to rededicate your life, I want to just welcome you back. It's a good thing. Now, the praise team's going to close us, almost, not really. They're going to transition us to the baptism. But what they're doing is they're going to give you an opportunity to worship and praise. So I'm going to ask you, if you can, stand to your feet. And we're going to get the baptistry ready. We've got a number of baptisms.
If you're getting baptized today, what I'd like you to do is meet Pat right over here, my left, your right. I got that right, didn't I? My left, your right. Over here, line up against the wall. Pat has an order that he wants you to line up, and then he's going to give you a little card to put your name on. But if you're getting baptized, get ready, and then line up against the wall, and then I'll meet you in a moment, and praise team's going to lead us. Bless